Welcome to Dying on Stage with me, your host, Tony Brent. Now, we've all heard the phrase dying on stage. It's one of the metaphors used by live entertainers and those watching live performances. Along the lines of, they killed or I slayed that audience. I personally have died on stage metaphorically more times than I care to count. However, that's not what this podcast is about. It's about the people who literally passed away, kicked the bucket, croaked, and actually died in front of a live audience. So, my friends, prepare yourselves for the shocking, bizarre, and completely true deaths of performers on stage. The entertainer I'll be discussing today is not a household name, but many of you will recognize the names of those he influenced. I'm sure you've heard of Robin Williams, Andy Kaufman, Bob Saget, just to name a few, Gary Shandling. I found a video online of Bob Saget and Howie Mandel discussing this man's brilliance. In addition to those illustrious names I mentioned, the person I'll be talking about today had ties to Mel Brooks, Gene Wilder, Steven Spielberg, Francis Ford Coppola, and even Michael Jackson. He's credited, actually, with inventing the high five. Are you intrigued yet? Ladies and gentlemen, let's discuss Mr. Dick Sean. Dick Sean was born Richard Shulafand on December 1st, 1923 in Buffalo, New York. Now, young Richard didn't have early show business aspirations. Instead, he wanted to play professional baseball, and he might have succeeded if it had not been for the war. He tried out and received a contract from the Chicago White Sox, but within days of getting that offer, Richard was drafted into the U.S. Army and sent to the Philippines. During his stint in the Army, He worked in USO shows, and that's where he learned he had a knack for making people laugh. After the Army, for a while, Richard uh, entered the University of Miami, eventually dropped out of college to pursue a career in stand-up comedy with a new name, Dick Sean. Now, by now, it was the 1950s, and Sean had become part of the New York City hipster comedy crowd, along with the likes of Lenny Bruce. His first big break was an appearance on the Arthur Godfrey's Talent Scouts television show. His spot on that show led to performances in nightclubs, Broadway, Las Vegas, The Ed Sullivan Show, and eventually films. It's from one particular movie I recall seeing Sean for the first time. That movie was called It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. And in the movie, he played this sort of groovy, hipster character uh, who is obsessed with reaching his mother, who he thinks is in distress. And my recollection of the movie is him 
trying to get across country to his mother, and he's constantly crying in every scene, and he's saying, Mama, I'm coming, Mama, I'm coming. Um, Sean's character in the movie was named Sylvester. And uh, as I researched Sean's other film roles, it seemed to me he was often cast as sort of this weirdo or a hippie or some kind of counterculture character. And in a lot of ways, as I uh, studied Sean, he was actually counterculture. He certainly wasn't mainstream in his comedy style. And uh, he was wildly unpredictable uh, during his live shows. I found an interview with Sean's son, Adam, about why he felt his father isn't more widely remembered. And uh, Adam Sean says, I think part of it is he really didn't care. He did his own thing. He wasn't commercial. He didn't play the game. He went in a stand-up and kind of killed it, but he was already on to something else. He wanted to be more diverse, Adam Sean said. Now, Dick Sean appeared in more than 30 movies and seven Broadway shows. Mel Brooks was a big fan and cast Sean in the 1967 movie, The Producers. And the character that Dick Sean played was Lorenzo St. Dubois, whose friends call him LSD. His character was an actor auditioning for and winning the part of Hitler in a theatrical production that was intentionally meant to fail. You know this if you've seen the producers. There's one scene in the play that's within the movie, the play's called Springtime for Hitler, where Hitler's character sends for the character Goebbels, who is played by actor David Patch. In the scene, Patch enters the room, and instead of putting his hand out for the give me five, a typical slap, Sean held his hand up, and Patch slapped it. And voila, the high five was born. And in my research of this, there's even a YouTube clip of Joe Piscopo from Saturday Night Live. Uh, apparently some show that was on NBC Sports where Piscopo is explaining who invented the high five. He mentioned several sports stars, but at the end he goes, no, the high five was actually invented by Dick Sean. And he shows a video clip of it. You can find that on YouTube. Dick Sean had ties to the Disney Corporation. You guys remember Captain EO, the science fiction short film at the Disney parks uh, where they aired it? It starred uh, Michael Jackson. Well, Dick Sean is in it playing Jackson's commanding officer, Commander Bog. And Captain EO was written by George Lucas and directed by Francis Ford Coppola. I have fond memories of watching Captain EO at Epcot. And uh, the, it was shown in other Disney parks all over the world as well. It ran from 1986 to 1998. That's Captain EO I'm talking about. Uh, you can actually find Captain EO on YouTube as well, uh, Someone, uh, if you want to see Sean's performance in it. Dick Sean also appeared in many TV shows and guest roles on shows like St. Elsewhere, Steven Spielberg's Amazing Stories. He even played Jack Tripper's dad on Three's Company. Um, Sean made many appearances on The Tonight Show, starring Johnny Carson. Legend has it that Sean made one particular appearance on the show when uh, Impressionist Rich Little was hosting and Johnny was out. For apparently no reason, Sean decided to trash the set. 
He turned the plants over, turned the sofa over, eventually turned over Johnny's desk and started rowing it like it was a rowboat. Now, the rumor is that when Johnny found out, he was furious. But because he was such a fan of Sean's work, he still allowed Sean to appear on The Tonight Show when they were guest hosts for about the next dozen years or so. But finally, in the late 1980s, Johnny Carson must have buried the hatchet because there's two spots on uh, The Tonight Show with Dick Sean as the guest and Johnny's hosting. As I'm researching Dick Sean, I found some very inter inter interesting information. I found a YouTube video of Sean appearing on the Dinah Shore Show, and he did this long bit as a character called Mr. Fabulously Fantastic. This bit was a show business parody about a schlocky nightclub type entertainer who pretends humility. And the first thing that struck me is the similarities to that character and Steve Martin's stand-up. And of course, Sean predated Martin's work. Also, Sean did an Elvis parody I read called Freddy Funky. I can't find any video of this, but uh, if you're an Andy Kaufman fan, you'll instantly see the comparison between the two performers. Look at Kaufman's brilliant Elvis impersonation. The audience expects it to be terrible, then Kaufman does an incredible Elvis. It's a showstopper. It was on stage in his one-man show, though, the second greatest entertainer in the whole wide world, that Dick Sean seemed to shine. The show is a collection of stand-up, singing and dancing, non-sequiturs, and stream-of-consciousness bits. And he toured college campuses and theaters for years with this show. Now, a typical Dick Sean live show might be like the following. The audience enters the theater, and there's a bare stage. The curtain's open. In the middle of the stage is a pile of newspaper. When the show began, the pile would shake and move and Dick Sean would emerge from the pile of newspapers like a bum being awakened. Sean had been lying under those papers the entire time the audience entered the theater. Can you imagine the concentration that must have taken? Even his breathing would have to be regulated. The slightest movement of the papers would have killed the surprise. And when it was time for intermission, Sean would talk himself into a coma and collapse on his back on stage and lie there throughout the entire intermission. In his old nightclub act, Sean had said he hated taking bows at the end of the show. So oftentimes, he would appear to die on stage, and then two men would carry him off the stage on a stretcher. Now, I'm sure those of you listening to this are getting the idea how this might not end well if there came a time for him to actually need medical assistance. Well, it was Good Friday. April 17th, 1987. Dick Sean had two films in the can, had done various TV spots, and was wrapping up his touring show after nearly 300 performances. His son Adam, who we quoted earlier, was the stage manager, technical director, and his dad's driver. That night he was to do a show at the University of California's San Diego uh, campus. Mandeville Auditorium was the name of the uh, theater. He was going to try some new material with plans to take the show to the Kennedy Center in Washington, D.C. Adam Sean recalls his dad telling him right before uh, the show, I'll see you after the show. However, as we all know, this wasn't going to end well. 
It was the last time that Adam spoke to his dad. That night, Sean opened the show as a disembodied head, appearing out of the table, doing what he called heads-up comedy instead of stand-up. About 25 minutes into the show, Sean put aside his microphone and asked the crowd if they could hear him without it. The audience response led him to putting the mic aside and then beginning a bit about the end of the world after a nuclear war and how he would be their leader. At some point in the routine, Dick Sean fell forward hard. Adam Sean says, my dad started talking about what would happen if everybody else in the world were destroyed by a nuclear bomb and we were the only ones left and my dad would be their leader. I honestly believe that's when he went down. It was a movie he'd never done before and it looked like it hurt. Of course, the audience laughed. It had to be part of the act, right? It fit in perfectly with the routine, plus Sean's onstage character led you believe that with him anything was possible. Adam was in the back of the room in the sound booth running sound, watching. After about a minute, Adam tells the backstage guy on the headset to go check on his dad to see if he's okay. The guy goes over and touches Sean and asks if he's all right, and then goes and gets back on the headset. I'm like, well, what did he say, Adam says, asks. The tech replied, well, he didn't say anything, just sort of grunted. I said, go back out there and get an actual response. The tech went back out over to my father and got no response, and that's when the chaos started, Adam says. Eventually, the stagehand walked to the front of the room and asked if there was a doctor in the house. A doctor came down from the back of the wings and took Sean's pulse. At that point, the audience still wasn't sure if this was real or not. It just so happened that the Scripps Memorial Hospital was on the UC San Diego campus, and there happened to be several doctors in the audience. Other doctors came up on stage, and one began administering CPR. According to Adam, this went on for approximately 20 minutes. Some of the audience members became antsy, not sure what to do. Some began to leave. Some started yelling for their money back, still thinking it's possibly some kind of long, drawn-out, bizarre comedy bit. The audience, uh, uh, ambulance finally arrived, but of course it was too late. Dick Sean was pronounced dead at 9.55 p.m. Adam decided not to have an autopsy done on his father. He said everyone thinks it was a stroke or a heart attack. At this point, I didn't feel like it mattered if we knew, and I just kind of left it that. Oddly, though, he said his dad had visited his cardiologist about a week or two prior to the show and was given a clean bill of health. You can find Dick Sean's obituary online, and interestingly, the Los Angeles Times reported he died at the age of 57, when in reality, he was 63. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. If you have, feel free to share it. If you have questions or comments, visit my website at TonyBrent.com and drop me a line. The resources for this episode were Turner Classic Movies bio section, NNDB, uh, the UPI archives, the Daily Motion website, the book The Show Won't Go On by Jeff Abraham and Burt Kearns. Thank you for listening.